If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals achievements. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Hardwood Hustle broadcasting here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm your host, Adam Bradley, joined with special guest Sam Allen, filling in for TJ Rosine today. Today, we're going to be talking about a concept called Beat the Coach, and it's a concept that is uh, pretty intriguing, and, and if you incorporate it, could have a powerful impact on your program. Before we do, though, I want to give a quick shout-out to our friends over at Shot Tracker. You can't improve what you don't measure, and Shot Tracker is changing their game with their data analytic uh, technology allowing you to measure all aspects of the game, everything from shooting percentage to spacing, you name it, Shot Tracker is tracking it. Make sure you check out ShotTracker.com to learn more about how you can take advantage of the technology to help improve your team. Sam, beat the coach. This was built on a, a message that I've been speaking a lot more frequently to the teams that I work with, especially when I'm doing some of my leadership exercises on focus and engagement. And one of the things that I find interesting in coaches, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I share it. We all know those moments in practice where you're trying to roll out something or you're, you're putting something in place or even just drills throughout the practice and you get the sense that the players just aren't that sharp. We just, they, you don't, they don't feel engaged. They don't feel locked in. And you're seeing it play out by them just not being uh, disciplined and making mistakes, a lot of mental mistakes. And, and it gets to the point where you blow your whistle. And you do a quick reset, right? You address it. Hey, we need to lock in. Hey, everyone. Hey, what's going on? Right? We're better than this. Can everyone lock in? You know, whatever that message is, every coach has experienced it. Every coach has done it. Right, Sam, you're laughing because I get the sense that it's part of like the daily, right? Oh, yeah. Um, the, the, the challenge is, and, and the message that we've been communicating to players is, I find it interesting. Every time I bring this up to players, and I'll ask them, say, hey, you know, when a coach addresses that in practice and they blow their whistle, is it a surprise to any of you? I ask that simple question. And unanimously, Sam, everyone recognizes that it's not a surprise. Players know and can feel when things aren't that sharp, when they're not that locked in and focused. So I just ask the question, how come none of the players address it before the coach? Why do they sit there and allow a minute, two minutes, three minutes of uh, mediocrity, of lack of engagement, just not being that sharp, and, and wait for the coach to address it rather than them addressing it if they can feel it? And I feel that they're missing a leadership opportunity in that moment. And the exercise that I've been challenging them with is beat the coach to the whistle. Right, if you get the sense that that whistle's coming, and most players do, right? They know one more time we mess up, coach is blowing that whistle. He's gonna make us run, make us do something. Beat the coach to the whistle and address it before the coach does. Take advantage of the leadership opportunity in that moment. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, Adam, I think it's important that we talk about how do coaches teach that to their players. So rather than expecting your players, I think a lot of coaches expect their players. They certainly hope. 
They, they hope, yeah, that's a probably a better word. <laughs> they hope their players will step in. They hope, you know, you know, there's a the player led team over the coach led team. That's become a popular mantra, and I think a lot of coaches want that. And it, and it sounds good because it sounds like the right thing to do. But I'm not sure all all coaches, and, it, and it's hard too. And I'm not sitting here saying we have all the answers, but. but Player-led teams are better than coach-led. Now I think coach, I think they they go back and forth because this this idea that it's just all player-led, I don't think so. And it depends what level you're coaching too. But it, it, it's a I call it a passing of the torch. I think early in the season, you know, depend on your type of team. If you have like a a heavy senior team at the high school college level or a veteran team at the pro level who who've been together for a while, well, they may step into that season already rocking and rolling at a really high-level player-led. But if you have a younger crew or not much experience or veteran back, it's going to be the coach leading the way early. And the great coaches, I think, they they gradually pass on that leadership mm-hmm. to those leaders, and they find out who which leaders step up. And so, I, I you know, TJ uses this example, and I, I use it too as well, which is like, he knows his team's ready to take off when they don't need him anymore. You've mm-hmm. heard that. Yeah. He said, talk yeah, about yeah. that. When they don't need him. That means when when his AD comes by the gym during practice and he has to step over there and talk to him for five minutes and not one thing changes on that practice floor. The intensity doesn't drop. The attention to detail doesn't drop. The communication doesn't drop. You know all those all those championship habits and traits. None of it leaves, or they go on on a road trip, and he's not having to tell guys, "Hey, take off your hat." Hey, say please, yes sir, yes ma'am, thank you. They do it anyways. Mm-hmm. They don't need him anymore. And I think that's an awesome concept to to build on. Is you know teach your players how to beat the coach. Teach your players how to not need you in every moment, not every drill, not every game, every practice, every halftime locker room speech. So how do we teach it, right? So that so that's the question, right? So I'm a coach. Yeah, I, I listen, if you give me the option of me having to address it and blow the whistle or give me the option of having my players address it before me, every coach in America is going to sign up for the later, right? So how do you how do you teach it? You know, I love what TJ always says. Also, you know, players do the best with what they know, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're not doing it, they don't know, or they haven't been prompted, or they haven't been reminded or encouraged to do so. So one, I think making it a focal point, right? You know, you blow your whistle, you you reset. Ask the players that simple question. Hey, hey, is anyone surprised that I'm blowing this whistle right now? All right, to to discuss our focus. Is anyone surprised about that? You'll get a whole team full of response. No, I'm not surprised, Coach. Why? Why are you not surprised? I could tell. I could tell. Yeah, yeah, we feel it, Coach. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we we've run through this set five times, right? And we're still not getting. It. We're not that sharp right now. Simply ask the question. How come no one has addressed it, guys? This is your team. This is your team. You all need to be addressing this stuff. Don't don't lean on me and rely on me to always do it as the coach. So call them out. Begin to hold them accountable for moments where they don't step up in leadership opportunities. And I think that's a powerful thought, Sam, in the sense that, and it's a conversation I've had with coaches a lot frequent, uh, recently, hold them accountable for not stepping up in leadership opportunities, right? Address that. Say, Sam, you felt that, right? Mm-hmm. You, you knew that was happening? Like this, like a one-on-one conversation with, with my star player, Sam Allen, right? Mm-hmm. My stud. Hey, you felt that, Sam? Hey, how come you didn't address it? Like, like you need to address that. You know, don't just wait on me. Like, this is your team, Sam. 
get there. No doubt. And I think – so we're, we're essentially talking about how to teach players how to communicate with each other. And, you know, 99% of the problems in the world are communication-based. Marriages get divorces. We go to world wars. Millions of hundreds and thousands of people die because people, world leaders can't communicate. Teams don't win championships because they don't communicate. Somebody gets beat on a back door because we didn't communicate – we didn't, we didn't communicate on the ball screen, so they come off and hit a three, and we lose by two, right? So communication is what we're talking about. And I, and I tweeted this out the other day and got a lot of action and, and uh, conversation going, but I was at a game uh, last week, Adam, at a ninth-grade high school game, okay? The best player on the floor, the best player on the floor, guess what? They're also the best communicator, they're, they're the best player on the floor. Like, you know, they could handle shooting. They, they, they made the most plays defensively and offensively to impact the game. They were the reason their team won. But they also communicated. And so I think why is communication important? Well, I think, I think when you communicate at a high level, it says a few things about you. I think it says these things. I'll give you four. One, it says you care about the team. It's not about you. So if you communicate, you care about the team. It's not – if you don't communicate – that could say you're in your own head, you're doing your own thing, and it is about you, right? The second thing I think it says, you care about winning. You care about winning. To your point earlier, Kobe Bryant's not going to come to the locker room and they're down by 10 at halftime to the Celtics of game four and just be quiet. No, cares about winning. He's going to be talking to you know Paul Gasol and, and Derek Fisher and talk, telling them, hey, we need to do this, and right? And, and, third, and, and, that was, and that was in reference to a, a Kobe interview that I listened to recently yeah. where you know Kobe recognized, he said, my team's performance, my, my teammates' performance is a direct reflection on me. If I lose a final, people are going to say, Kobe lost a final. Well, if I lose it, it's because of me and the team, so therefore their performance impacts my performance, and if I'm not communicating to them – I'm basically allowing myself to suffer. Yeah, and that, there's a selfish component in a good way there because he, he cares about how he's showing up. But I think even broadening out further is cares about the team, right? And so, and the third thing, why communication matters, it says that you think the game. Like if you're communicating as a player, you're thinking the game well. You're thinking about what what could we have done better? What do we need to do next during a free throw, right? And the fourth thing it says you're a leader. Like leaders communicate. I don't believe in this note. Like, you know, some people say, well, Tim Duncan's a, a quiet leader. Mm, no, you may see that on TV. You're not you're not sitting courtside and listening <laughs> to him talk on defense. You don't see him in the hotel. You know, they said he was phenomenal behind the scenes. He was beating Popovich. Talking about beating the coach? Yes. Tim Duncan, you read stories about him, which I've done. Like, he was beating Popovich to every fire. He put out fires that Popovich didn't have to touch. And you see a little bit of the, the cracking of that. Of, of that organization with you know all those guys gone now Ginobili and Duncan and them mm-hmm. and uh, Park, Tony Parker so I think it says those four things I'll recap it yeah, again repeat, care, repeat you care about the team it's not about you you care about winning number three you think the game like you have good basketball IQ and then four you're a leader it's so good it's so good alright let's take a quick halftime break when we come back let's give some tangible ways for coaches to, to teach their players how to beat the coach how to better communicate and, and beat you to the punch beat you to the whistle uh, but first catch up with our friends at Team Snap thanks to our friends over at Team Snap for today's communication halftime tip players and coaches be on guard be engaged and recognize when you pay attention, 
everything can become a teacher. It's a powerful reminder that we have the ability to learn from everyone and everything around us, but it requires us to pay attention, requires us to be engaged and to attack life with a growth learning mindset. And when you do, it allows for everything around you to become a teacher that will pour into your life. Powerful reminder, coaches and players, that I hope will help you as you go through your week. Special thanks to our friends over at Team Snap. Make sure you check out teamsnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app serving over 15 million people across the globe, helping get everybody from coaches, parents, and players organized and on the same page. Check out teamsnap.com backslash hustle. All right, Sam, we're talking about beating the coach, right? Players recognizing when uh, there's moments where we're not as sharp, things are, are, are slacking, the, the energy in the room isn't where it needs to be, and coach is about to address it, but getting our players to address it before us. I think there's a couple things. One, I think holding our players accountable to leadership opportunities missed, right? As we said earlier in the first half, Sam, man, you knew that, right? You knew that. Like, you need to address that. So, like, holding them accountable. Now, Sam knows it's based on our conversation that I'm looking for you to address things. I just held you accountable, started establishing a standard for your behavior as a leader. Now, you're going to start trying to work to honor that standard. I think the second thing is recognizing that sometimes players' voice is only uh, – they don't have the authority that a coach has. Let, let's recognize that oftentimes, mm-hmm. Okay. There's a, a practice that you can kind of communicate to your team. It's called the echo effect, right? Mm-hmm. And what that is is anytime one of your players begins to move something forward from a leadership perspective, right? So they begin fighting for something leadership-wise, hey, to try to improve communication, bring the energy, lock in more deeply. Anytime you hear that and, and your players hear that, Challenge your players to echo that player's sentiments. So, Sam, over there, recognizing our focus isn't there, start saying, hey, hey, let's lock in. Hey, next, next rep, make it much sharper. We need to be better, guys, okay? Not, now it's not just Sam's voice, but if we incorporate an echo effect, and I've been coached up on that, now me as a teammate of Sam, I'm being challenged that I need to echo that because I see Sam fighting for something, leadership improvement, Right, trying to push something forward. I recognize it. I want to support his voice, so I echo it. Hey, yes, let's go. Hey, let's go. We're better than this. Let's go, guys. I just do an echo. And I think that can be done for the coach's voice, too. You hear the coach say something, you can follow that lead, too. Absolutely. Echo. Absolutely. So the echo effect can kind of go both ways, but from a player perspective, sometimes when all of a sudden it's not just one player trying to get on the rest of the team, but now there's two, three, four players echoing it, now all of a sudden the team gets it. They know this is what we're about, right? Mm -hmm. And if you've got a collection of players echoing the same statements and sentiments, the rest of the team will lock in on that, right? I think sometimes the one voice, which creates in something we're going to talk about in a future episode, leadership burnout. The echo effect mm-hmm. helps prevent that where Sam's fighting to try to be a leader, to try to be that voice, but he doesn't get enough respect or the players just don't follow well enough mm-hmm. right? And, and, and honor his voice. And all of a sudden, Sam, after a few weeks of trying, puts his hands up in there and basically says, I'm defeated. I'm not going to keep going because the play – listen, the guys, just, they just don't listen. I try, coach. They just don't listen. I want to yeah. honor you as the leader you know, and be yeah. that leader for you, but they're just not listening. The echo effect helps prevent that. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, we, we teach this at our PGC summer courses, and a lot of coaches listening will be familiar with it. But given the going back to how we give players, so as coaches, how do we give our players the tools to be more effective leaders, effective communicators? Because we all say we need to communicate better, we need to lead better. Well, what, what does that mean? Like, let's give some some meat on those bones. So, what I say is, you know, we we got to teach them. I think two ways to communicate: encourage and reminders. So I think sometimes just being a leader is like encouraging the mess out of your teammates. You know how powerful that is? We all love to hear good things. Adam, great shot, man. Adam, that's the way to sprint the floor, man. Like if I just peppered the air and peppered you and my teammates, guess what you're going to do? You're going to start listening to me more because you love me to hype you up. Totally. You love me to hype you up. We all love it. You know, I'm, even as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about I got teammates entering my mind that I've had at the, at the high school when I played in college and like, who I love listening to because they just hype me up. All. They made me feel like I was the best player in the gym. Side note, that's the exact message I tell to, to underclassmen and new players arriving to a new team that want to get their voice heard, but they're not the senior, they're not experienced on the team. Your point, I love what you said, encourage the mess out of them, and they will begin to love to hear your voice, and then will respond when your voice changes a little bit to more of a critique of sorts. Yeah. Great point. Make those deposits, and then you know you may later make some withdrawals, right? Well, so the rem- the encouragement's one way. The reminders is the second. What is a reminder? Simply, hey, we're doing. Uh, let's talk about a drill and practice. We're doing a drill and practice, and the coach wants us to fill up and and catch on our inside foot. Use a one-two step, right? Well, we just before Adam goes, and I'm behind you, Adam. I'm telling you, Adam, one-two step inside foot, right? I'm just telling you, or we're um, we're at the free throw line and we're going to be falling back into our one three one zone defense. Do I wait till we fall back and Adam, you're going and you're guarding your man, and the other four of us are playing a one three one? No, <laughs> good leaders don't wait till after the fact. So to you to you to bring it to real life, two examples for us. One is we all saw it last year, game one, NBA Finals, J.R. Smith, right? tie game misses the free throw george hill he gets the rebound and takes it dribbles out. the ball out he thinks they're winning what if his teammates had reminded them hey missed shot offense we need offensive rebound made shot we're matching up but nobody gave that reminder the biggest moment of our life biggest game he's in front of millions of people and that happens leadership reminders are important Another example, two years ago, North Carolina is playing University of Oregon in the Final Four in Phoenix. I'm there. I'm watching the game live. And guess what happens? North Carolina, best rebounding team, offensive rebounding team in the country. They shoot a free throw. This is late game, under a minute to go. Oregon needs to box out get the rebound. Guess what happens? North Carolina gets the rebound, one in front end of a one-and-one. They get the rebound. Oregon fouls them. So now they're going to the line to shoot again. Guess what they need to do? They need to box out and rebound, right? I'm watching. I'm watching Oregon's coaching staff and all the players. Not one player on Oregon tells and reminds their their teammates, "Hey, we got to box out right here." Well, you're thinking, you're saying, Sam, wait, why they got to tell them to box out? They know to do that. Are you sure? Like what seems obvious isn't always obvious. We see this, right? Mm-hmm. What seems obvious isn't all. We, we see this in everyday life. Well, not one player and one coaching staff, man, I watched it, said anything. They had just gotten beat on offensive rebound. 
They didn't box out. As simple as stepping into your man and box them out. They stepped in. Jordan Bell now plays with Golden State Warriors. He's one, one of the most athletic players in the league. Well, he stepped into the lane. He didn't step into his man. They get the offensive rebound. North Carolina wins the game, go on, and win the national championship. Hmm. Because why? Teammates and coaches didn't give reminders. Beautiful. It sounds that simple. It is that simple. But what's simple is not executed usually. I love that. I love that so much. So, you know, for players and, and coaches, coaches, communicate this this thought process of beating the coach to the reminder, beating the coach to the communication, beating the coach to addressing the things that you want to. And, and if they don't know, to Sam's point, just have them repeat what you say. You know, I, I love that, that yeah. thought too, right? Like if, if players are struggling, just repeat what I'm saying. Okay, like echo my voice throughout practice. Nonetheless, make it a competition. Okay, I think players sometimes thrive off that and you can have fun with it and it kind of like creates a little game within the game. Beat the coach, right? And at the end of a week, you know, am I, do I have a better win-loss record than you from beating the coach perspective? You know, did I beat you to the punch? And, And coach, here's another one. Have challenge your players that hey, when I address something, I want to echo your voice, and I love that concept, right? If if I'm going to address the energy or the focus within the group and and get us to another, you know, reengage us, I want to blow my whistle, and when I do, I want to reinforce your voice. So I want you to have addressed it, Sam, mm-hmm. and then let's say I then need to come in and reinforce that message. I want to blow my voice and say, hey, did everyone hear what Sam said a minute ago? Quick, what did Sam say? You know, boom. Okay, mm-hmm. hold some accountability. Make sure they're actually listening. Uh, Sam said we need to lock in and we're better than this. We need to be a little bit sharper. Exactly. What Sam said is true, right? We need to do that. Okay, starting now. Next set. Let's go, right? And, and Sam is going to, I don't know if we're talking about me or if I'm talking third person, but if Sam does that, then guess what Sam, or if you, if you highlight Sam, Sam's going to do it next practice, too, because mm-hmm. he loved that praise. And everybody, all the other players are going to see Sam getting highlighted by the coach, and now the other players are going to start doing it, too. And so now because you've, you've highlighted what you, what you like as a coach, you're going to get it repeated. And I, and I think that's powerful. And it also adds more power to Sam's voice. It does. And, and one more thing, Adam, I think that can be powerful for coaches is, let's say end of the practice – Pull aside a couple of your leaders or players you want to help develop their leadership and say, hey, um, Adam, Susie, hey, did you – during practice, when, when we were in this drill, we are 45 minutes into the practice and I stopped and I, and I taught this thing. Did, did you notice – did you feel that in that moment? Hey, ne- hey, when we were in this segment, like I want you to be looking for this. And when you don't see this, this would be a great time for you to beat me. Beat me to the punch. Beat beat the coach there. So, like, after practice or maybe even within the practice, pulling players aside and, and investing two or three minutes into sharing the insight of a coach. Because I don't think coaches always give the players their perspective hmm. and look at it through their lens. And I think when you can get – and sometimes we'll say, well, they're not equipped or they're not mature enough. I, I would disagree. Players are very mature and intelligent, and we sometimes underestimate their – intelligence and ability well and if they're not equipped and developed that's a knock on you 
essentially as a coach to some degree, right? Yeah. Right? Because you haven't developed them. You haven't coached them. You haven't put them in uh, that position. Nonetheless, beat the coach. Hope this is a powerful thought process that you can begin incorporating within your team. I think it has the power to change the whole dynamic of your team and empower your players into greater leaders and and continue moving your team from a coach-led position to more of a player-led position. We would love your thoughts on this episode. You can always tweet us at Hardwood underscore hustle special thanks to sam allen for contributing amazingly as always i'm your host adam bradley normally with tj rosine but till next time we are out